Amen. Man, should have done that at the end of service. I'm all messed up now. Um, well, good morning and, and welcome. We're glad that you're here to on this first day of the year, first day of 2023. And uh, we are starting a brand new series of messages uh, called First Things First. Um, and really kind of, you know, when I began to think uh, several weeks ago about, God, where are you leading us? What do you want us to do? I actually had a, another message series that we had kicked around, we talked about as a staff that we're going to do, and we're still going to do it, um, but just kind of felt like this was probably a more appropriate and kind of what the Holy Spirit was leading me to uh, in this series of First Things First. And um, this morning, maybe you can remember uh, your, first, um, your first bike ride. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember riding your bike? Remember my dad uh, taught me how to ride a bike, and that first day that he taught me, uh, I was on that bike, and I got up, and I was going, and I was pedaling, and I was like, man, this is great. This is amazing. He just did not tell me how to stop or turn, and so I ran into the air conditioner, and I flipped over the handlebars, and I was laying on top of the air conditioner, you know, I'm thinking, I wish he'd have told me how to stop, you know, or at least turn, uh, but you, you learn some things the hard way, right? And so you remember a lot of your first. I remember my first bike ride. Uh, maybe some of you guys remember your first date. How many of you remember your first date? I remember the first date me and Raina went on, you know. And so these are things that when you start thinking about your first, you know, your first kiss, you know, your first, uh, you know, your first child, the birth of your first child. And all these firsts, there are things that probably come to mind very easy for you. And so... Um, that's kind of where I want to start today is just this idea of first things first. And um, the first things are important things. They're significant because they're a signal of the things to come. Uh, first things begin something. First things start something. And it can start something promising or it can start something painful. Depends on, on how you let that roll out. Um, and so when I began to think about first things, the first things are important and they're significant because they are a signal of things to come. Uh, Pastor Robert Morris, um, he said this, and I love this quote. He says, every first has the potential to develop and grow into something more. Every first has the potential to develop and grow into something more. And so when we start looking at first things and we start looking at at uh, what happens in the beginning, uh, the first will set the pattern for the rest. I just want to want to say that, and this is kind of going to be our our sentence that keeps popping up, phrase that keeps popping up throughout the course of this series is that the first sets the pattern for the rest. So what God does first is He is He is showing you, hey, look, this is the pattern for what this needs to look like. And so I want us to dive into this this morning. And because we are here this morning on January 1st, and we're here this morning um, in a worship service together, I, I just began to ask the question, I said, where do we find worship for the first time in Scripture? Where do we find worship for the first time in Scripture? Now, I've, I've kind of done this study before, um, and just kind of rehearsing it again, I actually have learned some new things um, that I want to share with you today. And so uh, the first place that we find worship, the word worship, is in Genesis 22 and 5. Genesis 22 and 5. Uh, this is where we find the story of Abraham and Isaac and God 
calls Abraham to give his son Isaac up. And that is a, a great ask. <laughs> that is a big thing to ask uh, of anyone. Uh, and, and especially here with, with Abraham, knowing that him and, and Sarah could not have children, and miraculously, uh, Isaac was a miracle birth, a miracle child, a miracle son that was given to them. And God says, I want you to give me that child back. And so this is in that whole journey, and I'm going to say it's a very tense struggle for Abraham as he begins to make this journey to give Isaac back in a sacrificial way to God. And he's like, I can't believe you're asking this. But we, hear, we see right here in um, Genesis 22 and 5, this is the first place that we see the word worship. And it is the Hebrew word shikah. And it says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there to the mountain that God had shown him. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. I love the faith there that he's thinking, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know exactly what's going to transpire. But somehow, some way, God is going to bring us back to this point. God is going to bring us back to you again. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like between that moment and this time, but I know that I'm going to trust God between those two points. And he says, I believe that as we go over there and worship, God will bring us back. This is the first place that we find the word worship. But I do not believe this is the first place that we see worship. I don't believe this is the first place that we see worship. Actually, I, I think if you go back a, a little earlier and you look in uh, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse 3, is uh, this story of Cain and Abel. And this is the first place where we see that someone is bringing an offering, right? So because you can't come to worship without bringing an offering, right? Yeah, <laughs> I should have got amen on that one. <laughs> see, this is the first place that we see someone is bringing an offering. And it is the story of Cain and Abel. And it says... In the course of time, and I want you to notice this, it is a, a, not just a phrase just starting a sentence, but it, it's, it's kind of designating something, that there was a specific time where they were to come and bring an offering. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. See, this is the first time that we see an offering being brought, that they are coming to give something. They're coming to offer something to God. And, and really what you get here is there are two pictures of worshipers. There are two kinds of worshipers being uh, shown in this story here. And the first kind is this. One merely is discharging a duty at the proper time. That, that, is, that is Cain. If you go back to the very first verse that we read, go back to that, that what does it say? In the, in the course of time. Is at the appointed time, at that time. You know, and this is just Cain going through the motions and checking off the box. This is Cain just saying, hey, this is in, I'm here. I'm here to do the religious thing. I'm here to do the the." Uh, you know, the, the worship thing. So I've come and I'm checking off the box. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruit. But what is the contrast that we find with Abel? The contrast is this, is that one merely discharges 
a duty at the proper time, the other goes out of his way to please God with his first and his best. He pleases God because he brings his first and he brings his best. So that's where you can look and say that Abel also brought the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And you know, I know the first January 1st, we're trying to get rid of all our fat portions, right? So this might be an appropriate scripture for you to hang on to through January, getting rid, give, offering my fat portions to the Lord, right? But it's, 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 it's really saying, he says, I'm offering what is first. And you've got to think about this. You've got to think about how important that is for Abel because, you know, Cain is saying, listen, I'll, I'm going to wait till I have enough. I'm going to wait till I have, you know, I have, I have kind of stocked away what I needed for myself, and then I'm going to bring God something, and I'm going to check the box off. See, God is not the first thought. God is the afterthought. God is not foremost in his mind. God is eh, he's kind of on the back burner. And he says, well, I'll come and I'll bring you something, right? And sometimes that is a picture of us as a church. We just bring God whatever. But Abel comes and he says, listen, I'm going to bring you my firstborn. And you've got to understand this, and I'm going to bring you the firstborn, which means that uh, that's really important. The firstborn means that there may not be a secondborn, right? Uh, this, is a, this is a trust thing for Abel. But Abel says, I'm going to bring you the firstborn. I'm going to bring you the firstborn, and I'm going to bring you the best of what I have. And so this is a picture of two worshipers. But once again, this is not the first place that we find worship happening in the Scripture. You say, well, Pastor, we can't go too, too much farther back, right? There's only a, one other place to go, and I want us to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And this is what it says. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. To what? Work it and keep it. Work it and keep it. You say, well, that doesn't sound too much like worship. That sounds a lot like work. That sounds a lot like what's going to happen tomorrow morning when we all clock in after being off for however long that you've been off, right? Maybe none of you got off, you know, and it's just like I, I didn't get any time off, and I'm waiting for some time uh, to, to take a vacation. But this is where God is saying, listen, I, I am placing you in the garden. I'm putting you in here specifically and intentionally and on purpose to work that garden and keep it. Now, what I did not know was this. I did not know when I looked at this word abad, that this, to work it. There's a Hebrew word, uh, it's, it's a little root word, it's abad in Hebrew, and there's another word that gets connected with it that's kind of a, um, uh, avadah, is, is, is a word that gets connected and used in a lot of different ways in the Old Testament. It's actually used over a thousand times in the Old Testament, and there's different variations of this word. And this is what this means. It means to work, it means to serve, and it means to worship. Now, I want you to get this. This is the first place. If this word has the flexibility to mean these different things, where is the first place that we see worship in Scripture? The first place that we see worship in Scripture is when God takes the man and he 
puts him in the garden. Actually, that word put is another Hebrew word that gets connected with, um, with a guy by, you might, might know, the, his name is Noah. And it is the, the Hebrew word nuach. And nuach is, it means rest. And so what God did was God took Adam and he rested him in the garden. God took Adam and he settled him in the garden. God took Adam and he put him in the garden. And he says, listen, the first thing that I want you to do, the first thing that I am setting you out to do is to work the garden. But if, this is what that word means, it also means to worship. He said, I want you to worship in the middle of your work. I want you to worship while you work. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes work does not seem like worship, right? Because sometimes going to work does not seem like taking a day of rest. Come on, somebody. You're wore out. You're stressed out. You're frazzled. You know what? And, and it's just like I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to make the connection from Sunday to Monday. I'm struggling to make the connection from the worship service to, you know, clocking in on, on Monday morning. And so God is making this connection, though, for us. The first thing that God set Adam to do is work and worship. See, this is also a phrase, to work it and keep it, is also a phrase that gets used in Numbers chapter 3, verse 8. And in Numbers chapter 3, verse 8, what you find is God giving the priest in the temple, the tabernacle, basically. He's giving the priests in the tabernacle their job. And this is what it says. They shall also keep. What was Adam supposed to do? He was supposed to work and do what? Keep. The priests were to keep all the furnishings of the tent of meeting along with all the duties of the sons of Israel to do the what? Service of the tabernacle. And so this phrase is, is, is being used. It's kind of getting connected, not just to have worship connected um, during the Garden of Eden, but what's going on, this work that, that Adam is given to do. So the first thing that God set Adam to do is to work and to worship. See, your work is worship. Your work is worship. And I know it doesn't feel like that. Come on. Because somebody's like, Pastor, you don't know what I do. Because <laughs> it, it feels more like work than worship. Your work can be worship. Maybe it hasn't been up to this point. But starting from here on out, I want you to begin to think differently about your work. I want you to begin to think differently about what God has called you into. I want you to begin to think differently about the people that God has put you in the middle of. And I want you to begin to think, all right, God, you have put me here not only to work this job and to get a paycheck, but you have put me here to worship you in the middle of my work. And so your work is worship and your worship, and you can worship through your work. See, now we're not good about making our work worship. We usually do the opposite. We make worship work, right? Have you ever, have you ever had that, you know, where it's like, man, it just seems like a, a job. Oh, man, I don't, I don't want to get up on Sunday. I don't want to come to worship. I don't want to come. Man, I, I know, but my wife, she's telling me I got to get out of bed. I got to roll out. You know, the kids, I got to feed them. I got to put clothes on them. You know what? And then they throw up on themselves, and I got to reclothe them, you know. Anybody with little kids, you know, that's what I'm talking to you. And, and, and so 
it sometimes can feel like we make worship work instead of going the other way. But I really believe that this morning, that starting this first day of 2023, that I want to give you and I want to invite you to begin to think differently about what God has set you in. And that doesn't mean that there aren't challenges. That doesn't mean that you aren't tested. But anything worth doing, I think God is going to test you in that. Anything worth having, God is going to test you in that. And so if God has given you your job, how many of you, God has given you a job? Who, who gave you the job? Everybody else who didn't say anything, who gave you that job? The devil. <laughs> and I work for him. <laughs> now, I really want you to think about this. Who has allowed you to be where you're at today? Who has allowed you to have what you have today? Who has allowed you to make the connections that you have made? Who has allowed you to be in this place? Who has allowed you to have everything that you have? God is not just your resource. God is your source. And so when we look at that, we're thinking, all right, God, you have prepared me for this place. You have put me here. You have settled me here. You have rested me here to work it and keep it. Come on, somebody. See, when we worship, we invite God into the ordinary. When, when, you, when you worship God in your work, what you're doing is you're saying, all right, God, I want you to come into this thing that seems very ordinary, this thing that seems very mundane, this thing that can seem very uh, just like a drudgery at times. I am inviting you, God, to be part of this. And you say, why would God want to be part of that? Why would God want to be part of that? Because God wants you to see what he first purposed you for. God wants you to see what he first created you for. He created us to be productive. He created us to be effective. And he has created us to be people of worship. He has created you to be a worshiper. Now, everybody worships something. Whether you worship the God of all creation or not, you can call yourself an agnostic or an atheist. You still worship something. We all worship something when we give our time, when we give our money to it, and when we give our attention to it. We all will worship something. But see, God is saying this. He's like, listen, invite me in to your ordinary. Invite me in to this this thing that you call work, this thing that you call your career, this thing that you call your job. Invite me into that and see how I can't change that. Some of you already know this. Some of you have been doing this for a long time. You've invited God into your work. You've invited God into your finances, and you've seen how God's blessed you. You've seen how God has taken things that you said, well, I don't know what God can do with this. He says, give it to me. Let me show you. And you have, and and, and you've seen the benefit of inviting God into your ordinary space. See, when we worship, we invite God into the ordinary. See, ordinary becomes extraordinary. When you invite God into it, it becomes extraordinary. The mundane becomes your mission. You know, the mundane becomes, you know, I'm just here, I'm just clocking in, I'm just doing this thing, whatever it is, I'm just making widgets. I never figured out what a widget was. You know, anybody remember, they always told me that. Just say you got widgets. Whatever your widget is that you're making, you know. But when you invite God into it, when you invite God to be part of that, it becomes something more, it becomes something special. Because God has stepped in and you've invited God and and God is saying, I invite you to see my extraordinary work (laughs) 
in what seems ordinary for you. The people that you work with, the people that you work around, you're not there by accident. I know they may drive you crazy. They may drive you up the wall. But let's just be honest. The people that live in your house drive you crazy and drive you up the wall, and you still keep going home to them, right? So... So we're just asking God to do all kinds of extraordinary things and all kinds of relationships, right? But when you look at, at what happens, so we see here that, that God puts the man in the garden. He places the man there to work it and to keep it. And you see that it's, it's called this avodah at this point, and it changes. If you go look and see at the fall, when Adam and Eve disobeyed, things changed. And their work went from being avodah to being toil. It, it became, became hard. It became, you know, less productive. And so what God had created and what God had ordered fell into disorder. But the great thing about God is he doesn't leave us in disorder. He always is willing to step back into our disorder and bring us back to order. He's always willing to step back in and say, listen, there's a way, there's a plan, there's a pattern, there's a purpose for this. And if you will do it my way, you will see, uh, you will see the benefits of my way. There's a psalm that says, uh, bless the Lord at all times and forget not all his benefits, right? Sometimes we forget the benefits of the Lord because we're trying to do it our way and we're not seeing the benefit. We see, we see what we make. We see the disorder that we bring. But with God, he's saying, listen, let me be involved in this. Let me get in the middle of this, and I can turn your ordinary into extraordinary. See, worship transforms all of our ordinary places into sacred spaces. It transforms all of our ordinary places into sacred spaces. So tomorrow morning, how many of you guys have been blessed by what's happened here this morning? Just being in worship, it's encouraging to you. Tomorrow morning, when you clock in, wherever you go, if you're going to the base, if you're going to post, if you're going to uh, the business, wherever you're going, when you clock in, that can be a sacred space. That can be. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be. You have a choice in that. You have a choice in what kind of space that becomes. It can become a sacred space or a stressful space, Right? And, and you can walk in and say, today it becomes a sacred space. Today I'm going to worship you. does not mean that you're not going to be challenged. But it does mean you get a choice on what kind of space that becomes. God, you've placed me here. God, you've given me this position. God, you've given me this opportunity. God, you've set me here for a reason. So, Lord, open up my eyes and let me see what you can do with it. God, when I begin to release you into to my, my relationships, into what I'm doing, because I'm doing honest work. Now, if you've not been doing honest work, I'm just saying, right? Worship transforms our ordinary places into sacred spaces. I want to ask somebody to come play. The last thing I want you to know is this. This is just not for today, but where we're headed overall. When God is first in our lives, everything comes into order. And when God is not first, everything is out of order. When, when I have not put God first, when I have not sh allowed God to be the pilot, you know, 
Essa é a moça da 